Mike is facing a battle. It's one he has faced over and over and over. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. We all have battles in our lives, and Mike had his. But this time he was at a place of losing everything because of his battle. It's like a constant war, and you want to settle that We all have a battle with something, both men and women. Yo, what are you wrestling today? A reoccurring battle in your life? We're going to talk about it next. I'm Dr. Greg Jantz. This is Life, Love, and Family. What was Mike's battle? Well, it, it was not. It was not pornography. And it was not anger, which could be a battle that a man may face. And it wasn't one of the other ones I talked about. It was not really emotional withdrawal. Mike had a battle at work. He had a battle with work. Mike could be called a workaholic. Mike's only value came through work and long, beyond long hours, all of his life. He's 56 years old. He's never, ever taken a vacation. He's never had a break. He's never told his family that we're going to go somewhere special. Mike was in bondage to work. And at some point, everything began to fall apart because it wasn't his family that said things are over although his kids didn't really know dad all that well. You see, dad would get up before everybody else in the morning and he'd be off to work. Dad would come home late most nights and really, truly, it was work. That's all he was doing. Do you know a Mike? Somebody that has really made work the sole source of all their meaning and purpose in their life. Here's what happened to Mike in his battle. Even though others had pointed this out for years and his wife had even gone to counseling over this. Mike lost his job. His boss let him go. The other word for that is fired. His battle was over, but he was in despair. Sam, welcome. We're going to talk about battles, both that men have, that maybe at first are not all that obvious, but we want to talk about battles that women have. It's interesting because when you started talking about Mike, I was going, wow, I can't really relate to that. And then as you're talking, there's so much emotion in that, that you put your everything into something and then you lose all of it. And what that must have been like to sit across from him. I know as a counselor, a lot of times you sit in those situations and you see a man broken. Mike was in such despair because he didn't know any other identity or Mm. what will I do with my life? And Mike was even at the place of saying, well, there's, there's no reason for going on. I have no value. Battles come in various different forms. For Mike, it was one form. It was work. When I say battle, it was something that had control of his life. It was something that had, some may use the word stronghold, Sam, but it had a, had a hold on him. He couldn't seem to shake it off. He didn't know what else to do. For others, I mentioned men. I mentioned pornography. It could be a battle with pornography that... It's just kind of always there. Sometimes it's in the forefront, sometimes it's in the back front, but it's always there. You know, we all have a battle with something. For some, I mentioned emotional withdrawal. For some is like, well, it's too hard to deal with it. And when there's conflict, I just withdraw. 
my battle is I don't really ever deal with anything. It's too uncomfortable. I just disconnect. For others, it's the battle of anger. They've had anger in their life, male or female. And that anger has taken them down a road of destruction. And now they're at the ultimate place where anger can take us if it's left untreated. It's that of resentment and to become embittered. And now the person who has struggled with anger for so long is full of resentments. Easy to take on offenses. You look at this person and, and they'll look back at you and think that you didn't look at them right. What's wrong? They're taking on offenses. It's the person with so much resentment in their life that now they're having physical issues because they're so toxic. Whatever the battle may be, here's one that I can share with you about Sue. And Sue's mid-40s. Sue's battle happens to be in compulsive behavior with shopping. Now, Sue always, and here's what she says, don't worry, she says, I, I always get good deals, um, but, but I don't feel really good about myself until I'm out there and I buy something each day. And then I feel better. Oh, yeah, I know, I have a lot of extra clothes or extra this and that. But in Sue's case, the battle is all my emotion goes through spending. When I spend, I feel some relief. Temporarily, of course. Does everyone have a battle? Let's define a battle. Okay. Because a battle means, by the nature of the word, that there's a, probably a, a loss and a win. And so we may have areas in our life that we feel like we've lost. We've lost our confidence. And we are battling. And we're getting up each day, and, and it feels like a battle. But it may be we need to change how we're looking at this. Maybe you've had a lifelong struggle. Could be depression, and that's been your battle. Or it's anxiety. Today, can we take something that we've struggled with and can we look at that and go, yeah, it's real. It has been a battle and I feel like I'm losing and I feel like days I'm in despair because of this. But can I take this and move through it and grow more and more about who God designed me to be? Can I do that with whatever my battle is? Our topic today. Mm. When you define battle like that, isn't that amazing? And you just think, let's get on this. There are common battles, Sam, that, that we have and the first umbrella that we're going to put all these under is that of addiction, the addiction battle. It's the battle that could be a food addiction. It's a escapism of TV addiction or internet addiction, or it could be something like a drug addiction, even prescription drug addiction, pornography addiction. We can think of spending addiction. There are a lot of things that fit under this addictive umbrella, and they are battles because you feel like, man, okay, I got it. But then it's on that back burner and it comes up again. Mm -hmm. Gambling for some is a battle. Right. When you say addiction, what classifies an addiction from just, I just do this, sure. a behavior? An addiction is something that we repeat over and over, even though there's consequences. And the consequence usually is to our health or to our relationships or to us financially. But there's always a consequence. And if it's an addiction, inside, in that private conversation with ourselves, we go, Okay, I know, I know this is a problem, but I, I usually I'm denying it and go, I can quit this anytime. I'll quit in the future and I, I, I've got control of this. So there's a denial with an addiction that keeps it going. Mm -hmm. With the idea of addiction and the battle, so you're saying you always know somewhere inside you, how much of addiction is a physical behavior? How much of addiction is mental, spiritual? Is, is there a way to figure that out? 
Well, as I think about any addiction, ultimately it takes us farther than we ever wanted to go. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you go, okay, I'm a, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, but yeah. Did I start off with that goal? Right, no. <laughs> no, but that's where it took me. Or I've created another form of an addiction. So it is there now, and I tell myself, I'm going to quit this. But I know it's an addiction in my life because it's destructive to my relationships and it's hurting me and it is taking me farther and farther away from health and health in not only my relationships, but physical health. And so you asked the question, well, it takes us to spiritual bankruptcy because it feels like God's far away or we feel like we've asked God to forgive us so many times. Mm -hmm. Mm, Well, I can't just keep doing that. And so God slowly gets kind of pushed away because of an addiction, because addiction takes all of our intimacy. A person can choose. I remember the gal in my office who said, I can be more intimate with food than I can with my husband and other people because, you know, I don't have the conversation with food. And food is, I look forward to that. So in addiction, usually there's secrecy, there's deception. And that ultimately, as we mentioned, has a spiritual consequence, but also has the consequence of physical. So we know that, for example, even with food, I can binge, binge, binge sugar food and try to keep it a secret. But eventually, I'm going to alter even brain chemistries. Binging is going to create more and more craving. I'm going to begin to alter, most likely, two chemicals in my brain. You've maybe heard of these. One's called serotonin. It has a lot to do with how well I feel and how well I sleep and my mood. But I can really begin to alter chemistries in my brain. And then I have to kind of keep engaging in this behavior in order to kind of feel normal. Mm. So there is a physical consequence to addiction. Can you reverse that? Yes, we can reverse that most often. Uh huh. And is that just a matter of time of doing the behaviors that are healthier and your body reverses itself? Or do you have to do some kinds of Sometimes it's both. Or? Sometimes it's for some who's been severe depression, I'm going to do some natural things. I'm going to do some rebuilding my life. I'm going to use some medication. I'm going to put it all together so that my brain chemistry can begin to work better. Everybody's different. Mm. So addictions, you said that's a, a major battle that people face. If you do have that, how do you start to change? Yes. A battle of addiction usually requires acceptance that this is really out of control. I have to be open about it. And I can't really change anything I can't talk about, which means I may need to talk to somebody about this or in some way in my life get some accountability. I may need to figure out, oh, why do I keep doing this? What's underneath this? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't always know the why, but some person will say, well, I know why I keep doing this because I'm avoiding something. I'm avoiding unhappiness that I have maybe in a marriage or a relationship right? because it mood elevates. It seems like the minute you start speaking it and you start telling the truth about what you're really experiencing, that that would break some of the power of the addiction. Just, Just even say it. speaking it, I'm really angry and I don't want to talk to my spouse. Therefore, I'm doing this behavior. Yes. If you spoke it, what do you see in people as they start speaking the truth? As I speak the truth, then I can begin to look at, okay, what's my alternatives? Mm-hmm. If I am full of anger, Maybe I need to look at what's the hurt under that anger. Mm. Where do I need to apply forgiveness? Where do I need to address some issues that keep reoccurring? Mm -hmm. Battles come in all forms. We're talking today about the addiction common form is addictions. But, you know, some of us today here in the program have relationship battles. And this is the second most common. It's reoccurring themes in your relationship, either in a marriage 
or of family members, but they're reoccurring. They don't ever seem to go away. Maybe you're hurt by the same person over and over and over, or maybe it's the same battle in a marriage. Maybe it's over money, but there's some topic that keeps reemerging in your relationships. Isn't that pretty normal? Like in most relationships, isn't there sort of the same stretch of territory that you go <laughs> over again and again? The differences where differences meet differences in people? Yes. And so here's what we need to do. Am I having a battle that's, I'm using this really to escape other issues? You know, we can fight and fight. Over, let's just use a common one. Maybe we could fight over money or how money's spent or different beliefs around it. And that becomes our focal point. Well, money's really not the real issue. And the real issue is how are we going to problem solve together? How are we going to work together? How are we going to be truthful? And how are we going to help meet each other's needs in that relationship? Relationship battles, whatever they are, are they common? Yes, but when a relationship battle gets so exhausting that we don't see any other alternative, that's where people begin to look at, okay, I'm getting out of this relationship. I don't see any other option. Do you think that we overall, as people, need some help learning how to communicate, how to speak yes. clearly and with love? And Do you ever recommend for your clients to do classes on how to talk to each other? Or do you offer that kind of a thing? Oh, classes. Is that just, weird? Just to learn. Go, okay. Really? Because who knows how to speak well? Maybe it's like in, in business. Maybe you have a position and you've been given a supervisory position and you go, okay, how do I do this? And how do I communicate? What's the best strategies? And uh, your employer sends you to a, a class <laughs> so you can improve those skills. We need to look at, okay, in marriage and other relationships, how can I do this differently or, or, or better? One of the things my husband and I noticed is that when we talk to each other, the first impulse is usually not the right one. You know, like when your person tells yes. you something about yourself that's not great, your first impulse is to say, yeah, but here's why I did that. And you, and then it goes on from there. And it's so amazing to slow it down and to actually listen and go, wow, really? So when I do that, you feel this way? You know, to slow it down and to reflect back what that person said, it's so not the natural thing to do. True. But when you do it, it seems so much yes. healthier. And here's perception. If we constantly see something in our spouse as an ongoing battle, this is a battle. Okay. We're, we're never going to see eye to eye in this. This is a battle. Right. And, and so then if there's a battle, that means there's always a fight. If I can look at it differently and, and ask myself, why do I need to see all this as a battle? There may be some things I don't like, but maybe I've got to start looking at how do I react? And you've heard the classic, am I reacting or responding? Am I just reacting out of hurt or anger or my spouse does this? Does it trigger old feelings? And I'm just constantly reacting versus, okay, God, give me a healthy response here. Mm. So changing the perspective. There are some battles that we've kept battles for a long time. that We don't need to have that battle anymore. What do you call it if you don't call it a battle? I think it's okay to say, you know what, in a relationship, mm -hmm. Okay, well, we've got some differences and go back to what are our common core values in our relationship, things that we really value. Mm -hmm. We've looked at, okay, common battles or anything in the addiction umbrella. And sometimes, you know, we don't want to really say that watching TV four hours a day, seven days a week is, is an addiction. Mm. But if you try to go without it, how do you feel? Or maybe it's a digital addiction or maybe it's like, okay, I know that the doctor said to take this pill this way, but boy, I like it when I take two extra. And mm. I've, been, I've been doing two extra every time. And he keeps refilling this for me. An addiction. 
behaviors that are usually gradual and subtle, but they take us to a place of, of bondage where they have us. Then there's the relationship battles, and uh, it could be reoccurring themes in relationships that it keeps coming up. Well, here's a third one, a generational battle. My dad was an alcoholic, and I think my grandpa was, so you know what? It's just natural for me to do this. It's in my DNA. Or I grew up in a home where, yeah, that's how we dealt with anger. We threw things. What's wrong with that? And you've seen a generational theme of anger and rageaholism, and your home was that way too, and it's third and fourth generation of this. You will see themes in families, and it's not about blaming our family. We won't get well if we just keep blaming. But there could be a theme that you've seen and go, okay, well, it's just time for me to stop this and Mm -hmm. to break this pattern. Yes. I so relate to that. I think the one that, for me, it's my mom, such a beautiful and smart woman who gets things done really well, but there's a sort of abrupt checklist mentality to that that gets a little edgy. Yes. And as I get older, I see that quality come out more and more, and it's not lovely, and it's not helpful, and it, it is one of the strangest things to recognize and then to try to change it. For me, seeing almost impossible is it something once you recognize and identify hey this is the behavior that i saw in my family all right i don't want it i've got it how do you start to change that (laughs) maybe you found yourself going i told myself i was never gonna be like my mom or my dad and you go oh no it seems like yeah I'm even kind of walking like they walk. What's going on here? Yeah. (laughs) I like some things about them, but some things I don't want to carry on. Well, you just hit it right on the head, Sam, because you you were aware. And so now I'm going to have more of an intentional response. I'm going to go, okay, I don't want to reemerge this pattern. And be careful because sometimes we'll go the opposite direction. A person who grew up in an environment that was really ultra obsessively clean and there was all the attention was on that. And then you go, okay, I'm starting to feel that way too now. And then, but you go, I'm not going to be like that. And then you go the opposite extreme. I'm never vacuuming again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to show, I'm not going to do that. And then you go, oh man, I'm living in a mess. I I don't (laughs) think I like this either. So, but I'm going to practice being proactive versus react. So I think this takes some practice. You may have to go, okay, here's some behaviors that I learned from my parent that I do not want to carry forward. Right. So I got to identify what they are. You identify it. How do you be proactive? Even if you've got your list of, well, these are the couple areas that I'm working on. What does that look like? Well, I may go, oh no, I just did the same yes. thing my mom would have done. So then I need to understand what was the triggering event. And then you go, how, okay, proactive. How could I respond to that trigger differently? Because see, what you're talking about is coping mechanism. I've learned how to cope, and the coping mechanism I'm using was one that, in this case, my mom used. So here I go. I'm doing the same thing. So what was my trigger, and what how, what am I going to do to respond differently in the past? And I'm going to practice responding differently. By the way, you know, as Christ came into our life to make us new, we can create, with his help, new behaviors, mm-hmm. new responses. Mm-hmm. We can take a situation that has always been really difficult and we can respond to it differently. Sometimes it's being with a family member and you go, I don't like how I feel. So what is it? What's the trigger? Well, when I'm with my family members, maybe they drink or they do something that that is now I'm not doing and it doesn't fit in well. And so my trigger is is the behavior they're doing where I maybe feel excluded. So there's a lot of different ways that, that you need to look at what are potential triggers. How do I feel when I'm around certain people? It's interesting. Sometimes when you're around family, you might feel younger. I don't feel like I'm mature. Well, how is my family treating me? That could be a battle. Every time I'm with my family, something happens and I don't feel good about myself. Mm. That could be your battle. 
I know also as this discussion of battles goes on, you have a book that's wonderful and it kind of catches you off guard because it's called The Battles Men Face and you immediately think of the obvious. But the book is not about that. It's about other things that are even more subtle. And it, I, my, my husband read it and he said, that's amazing. You know, how did he know the ideas of withdrawal, just emotional right. withdrawal when, for guys and working too much and just all the things that men deal with. It's more than, than we know. We want to talk about, well, what's that battle within? So we talk about strategies. Yeah. Okay. Emotional withdrawal. Why do I do that as a male? Deception. Why do I not always tell everything that needs to be known? Work. I mentioned work at the beginning of the program. Mm-hmm. Or uh, competition. Or men that have anger issues and, and they don't really see it as that. But man, they're they're mad. They're out to prove something. It could be escapism behaviors. It could be good things like I'm escaping through a hobby or a car. Or, uh, but I have all, and that's where it's taking all my time. And it's not that that be, is bad, but I'm using it as a form of escape. Uh, could be consumption. Could be consumption of alcohol. Could be consumption of just stuff. I've got to have all the stuff, all the toys. This is an important resource for, for men, battles men face, winning that war within. Now, earlier you had said that it's it's different with men and women. You can talk a little bit okay. about the battles that women face. Help what me out with find? this, Sam. I'll okay. try. Okay. All right. yeah. So this is what I hear. So a battle could be for a woman, I don't feel good enough. There's always a question of my value. And here's here's how it plays out. Am I attractive enough? Am I doing enough? Am I a good enough mom? Am I a good enough spouse? And there's always feelings of inferiority. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty common one that comes up. Well, and earlier when you were talking about Mike and how he was focused on work, and I know for me and for a lot of my friends is we get so identified with being a mom, you know, and, and that identity is is very set. And then it's it's really challenging later on when kids leave and you think, I don't have a job anymore. Who am I? I know this, I've poured my whole self into this and now I'm not doing that. Yeah. And so who am I? Identity. Part of what that comes from is I may be doing a lot of comparisons. Mm. So it's it's the woman who says, she looks so good in that dress where I'm constantly comparing. How did she lose all that weight? <laughs> Golly. You know, it was just a con, but I, I, you know, we all notice things. So that's, that's not about that. But we're saying there's a constant comparison where I always feel not good enough, inferior. All right, here's one more I want to mention. It's the battle of perfectionism. Yes. And this is related to I'm not good enough, where I have to have a sense of over-control where everything has to be so perfect, so absolute perfect. And that's where I get my value. I'm actually living a certain way. I'm the perfect spouse. I'm the perfect wife. I'm the perfect mom. I have to dress perfectly. There's an extreme of perfectionism. And no matter what I do, I don't feel perfect enough. How exhausting. (laughs) It's, it's funny because I think perfectionism can lock you up in so many ways. And 30 years ago, you founded the Center Place of Hope. And it's kind of a whole person approach to healing um, heart, soul, mind, body, all of it. And you've seen people who maybe you're all locked into the tightness of perfectionism or comparison or any of the things we've mentioned today. And then when you get free, just the difference that that life can be. What kind of hope and and thoughts do you have even spiritually for people who are listening and who think, no, I have an addiction or I have a a battle that, you know, I don't even want to talk about it, but I I know that it's real. Yeah, the hope may come, maybe initially you've got to say out loud to yourself, my battle or my battles are. 
And if it's ringing true, it's perfectionism, and I'm really making myself miserable. I never feel good enough about myself. So maybe I need to say that out loud to myself, and then maybe I need the next step is I, I need to write some things down. Here's the areas where I don't feel good enough, and make a list, or make a list of, here's what I keep finding myself comparing myself to, or Keep it private right now. It's just for your own own notes. And you look at that list and go, where do I need some outside help with this so I can move through this? It looks like maybe I'm, I've been stuck in this most of my life. I probably need some help with all this. You know? Yes. And then I've got, that's the next step. Ask for help. And it may be hard to go, well, this isn't really all this big of a deal. I No, I'm not going to go see anybody or spend any money on myself. It's not that big a deal. And then you begin to really deny how much power and unhappiness these things are represented in your life. Mm-hmm. You can make, and I know this from experience, yes. so many excuses for not moving forward. Because sometimes when your life is in a rut, everything is in place and you know, which job do I quit? Which mm-hmm. thing do I stop doing? What do I stop volunteering for? It, it seems like everything is stuck in its place. And it's really hard to to make those decisions to change things and to get help. Do yes. some people, and, and maybe I'm thinking especially of guys, do they view of asking for help, like especially from a counselor, as weakness or I wouldn't want to do that. That might mean I'm in real trouble if I ask for a counselor to help. Sometimes, or sometimes a guy will wait till I'm going to lose something my family, my wife, or job. Yeah. It's like yep. I, there's some kind of crisis. And we're seeing more and more men go, you know, I'm, I'm a little tired of living this way. And it's like, it's okay now to, yes. to ask for help. Yes. So we are seeing more of that. That's encouraging. Uh, we're seeing more men coming in for help for depression, anxiety. Of course, addiction is in there as well. But it's, it's like there's a revelation that goes, okay, I want to live differently. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted emotionally and physically. I think that's good as we're just getting more open. So we talked about the differences between men and women. What about the similarities in the battle? Is battle ever a good thing? You know how like there's some people who they just live their life as a battle and there's a certain nobility and strength to that. Is <laughs> is there anything good about living in the battle? Well, I'm going to, with the right kind of help, win my battle. Mm. It may take a different form. Uh, It may be I need to have victory in one area of my life in order to have victory in another. Maybe I need to deal with some hurt and some unforgiveness in order to have a relationship victory. Before I get to the final victory, there's usually some things I need to learn and do along the way. And as we've seen, there's no there's no shame. There's only great joy and and growth that that comes when you say, hey, I need help, and you raise your hand. healing do you have today for people who are listening who might be in their own battle? Whether it's a battle of addiction or a battle of low self-esteem, 
or perfectionism or anger. Battles take all kinds of different forms. Sometimes we've got to reach out and decide with the right help, I'm going to create a battle plan and get this resolved in my life. That lifelong depression, that lifelong hurt and anger, let's do something today. Take the first steps. I have talked to you before about the center, a place of hope. For over 30 years, the center has been there with a whole person approach. Individuals come from all parts of the country for help with their battles. We'd like to be a part of healing and freedom. Our number is the center, 888-771-5166. Make a note of this number, the center, 888-771-5166. Find out what options are available. And I'd like to personally say a big thank you for listening to Life, Love, and Family. We trust this program is helpful every time you hear it. There are resources, and to find out more options, visit lifeloveandfamily.net. Life, Love, and Family. You know the feeling where you're tired and unmotivated, and sometimes you get mad for no reason. And maybe you don't like what it's doing to your family or to your job. That's why the Center for Counseling and Health Resources has been there for people for more than 30 years. They take a whole person care approach that'll look at everything from your nutrition, your vitamin balances, your mind, your spirit. Call 1-888-771-5166 or for help right now visit aplaceofhope.com. 